This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Clagan, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. Excellent. It's always wonderful to have you. This would be a, a very boring and uninformative show if you weren't here. If it were just me, it would be just a bunch of nonsense. It would not. Now stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make it very easy, Nicole, and we're always talking about uh, basically the, we, we tend to focus a lot on the subject of caregiving and um, how underappreciated and undercovered that is. And um, you know, we go over a lot about uh, how the importance of the caregiver summits and feeling that support. And we're going to talk a little bit more, of course, about caregiving tonight. And uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, because I know you brought in a wonderful guest for us. Super excited to have with us today, uh, Chris McLeod, and she is uh, the director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at Duke University. And I am just thrilled because we don't often talk about really what older adults can do to continue to have a really robust and quality of life, either while caregiving, after caregiving, or before caregiving. So Chris is here with lots of great information and and I think a very riveting conversation about this topic. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about this. You know, um, I know this area is as one of the top destinations for retirees mm-hmm. in the country now, which is which is awesome. I think we have a lot to offer with really just our academia, the the hospital systems that are just amazing for healthcare issues, and the fact that we actually have a touch of four seasons, not just all summer year year round. And I think uh, what we're finding is that older adults really have an interest in continuing their learning as as they age. Well, I was really intrigued recently um, with this with the research that's coming out on the impact of lifelong learning on longevity and on main, helping um, seniors and mature adults uh, maintain their their social connections. You might have read recently in the Wall Street Journal there was an article about the impact of loneliness on one's um, um, on their health care on their health and longevity. Um, apparently, right now, more baby boomers are aging alone. Um, than any other generation in U.S. history. And this is, um, there's really a looming public health um, impact and financially um, from a public policy standpoint um, on our economy because of this. Um, Researchers are finding that greater social connections is associated with a 50% lower risk of death, which is just stunning to me. I mean, it actually makes sense when you think about it, is the more connected we are, the more people are looking after each other. Um, and one of the things we find, um, the the um, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute is du- at Duke is a learning community for mature adults where we offer um, over 400 courses a year, um, non-credit at very reasonable prices um, to seniors. And um, what we find is people literally move here from all over the country, often just because of our learning community. They know they can move here and not know a soul and still make friends and build connections and build a new life um, 
you know, being new to the area. And truly get enriched. You know, um, you <clears throat> know my mother passed away this past <clears throat> April, and <clears throat> I actually had a conversation with my father two days ago, it's extremely timely, uh, related to isolation. And he's like, well, you know, he's, he's starting to think about the house and all the things he has to care for. And he said, you know, I think I'm probably going to sell the house. Is, is that, you know, is that okay with you? Well, you know, I'm, yes, Dad, you do, you do what you need to do. I want you to have a good quality of life. Well, you know how we have that little cabin up in the Adirondacks. I was thinking about just moving up there. And instantly, all the alarm bells went off. Now, that's probably not a good idea from an isolation perspective. You know, you have your son that lives, you know, five miles from you currently, and you're going to move up to the mountains of New York State in the Adirondacks in a small <laughs> in the cab. snow. <laughs> in the, yeah, and I'm thinking, and you know, and he fell last year, and you know, tore up his knee for a while, and I'm. You know, that's really not a good idea, Dad. You know, <laughs> you, know mm-hmm. you could probably find a cabin either nearby where you live, a smaller home, or come on down to this area, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting. We get letters, you know, literally from the, the children of our members saying, um, thank you so much for the program offerings that you provide. Uh, we recently celebrated our 40th anniversary. Um, the Duke um, Osher Institute is one of the oldest and largest in the country. We're among the top 10 um, with about 2,500 members. Um, and so we had the opportunity to kind of celebrate and collect a lot of testimonials from both our members and, interestingly enough, that many of their children volunteered and wrote letters in. And I was so touched um, reading through um, kind of the archives of these letters um, and how grateful they are. And there was even one letter that said, you know, we really appreciate all the courses and classes you offer our parents. We're trying to get over the fact that they're no longer available to babysit, you know, <laughs> as often um, as we'd like them to do. But that um, – anyways, it was just, I think, a real testament to how um, critical they see lifelong learning to the vibrancy of their parents. Um, I get calls from, you know, actually before the holidays from two wives who said – my husband retired in September, and he's watching way too much TV. I want to give him an Ollie class for Christmas. Um, and so we were able to invite him to a meet and greet and uh, at the first part of the year and get them enrolled. And so I think it's very hard for you know folks in our culture today who work a lot and who are really engaged um, to all of a sudden retire and not have something to do. And there's a true cost to isolation, like a literal cost. I was re- reading um, an article you actually sent over to me, a compilation of statistics from AARP. And on average, it costs $123 a month for a Medicare recipient who is isolated. Mm. Um, that's there, there is a true cost to this. And then that, a lot of that, you know, it leads to a higher incidence of mental illness. It leads to, you know, when you're eating alone, chances are you're not cooking as well for yourself. Again, pulling mm-hmm. on a personal experience. I'm eating a lot of canned soup, he's saying, and I, so I'm ordering a meal plan. Like, this is not, mm-hmm. you need to eat better food. So truly, um, you know, once you start creating that social network and rebuilding your life, whether you just finished caregiving or, again, you're a baby boomer aging alone, I think it's super important. Well, you know, the, the, the present CEO of Meals on Wheels USA um, has noted loneliness is really the silent epidemic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what was exciting to me about the Wall Street Journal article um, is just the fact that, um, you know, sometimes our culture, we don't understand and appreciate things until we understand the financial implications of them. And when you think about, you know, $122, $123, a, an individual times you know, millions and millions of baby boomers. I mean, that is, that's a real, um, both a public health threat and, you know, a real threat to our financial well-being. Um, And so I think um, 
seeing that kind of recognition in ink, if you will, on the front, you know, in the Wall Street Journal was affirming of what many of us in the industry already know. You know, um, one of the things that I would love to hit on is is really, you know, how do you come up with this content of the courses, right? I, I mean, I know we, we, we talk about the caregiver summits all the time, and we use evaluations and things of that nature to decide what we're going to hit on for the next year. How do you how do you figure out really what will turn on the the older adult population to these the, to these various topics? Well. It's easy. We ask them. Um, I have people say um, that, but a lot of people don't do it. They just assume, don't they? Well, you know, actually, one thing you learn too, working um, with retirees, is um, you know, they they aren't shy about sharing their opinion. No, and um, and what's great is you know, I don't have to show up with the great ideas. They have them, and mm-hmm. my job is to try to create a platform or put it this way, continue to support and expand the platform that's been created so more and more seniors can take advantage of it. Uh, We have a curriculum committee um, of, you know, over maybe 35, 40 people who are incredibly talented. I would bet a third of them have PhDs, have taught. um, They are um, former faculty members, um, postdocs, school teachers, um, attorneys, artists, writers, um, and they, you know, um, are very active in the instructor recruiting space for Ollie. Uh, we do not pay very much. We pay a very modest honorarium. So people show up and teach for us for the love of learning They're and, passionate. For, and for their passion. Um, what we find, too, is that many of our instructors, um, we let them teach whatever they want to teach. They may have spent their, their you know, whole career teaching classics or history or English but often when they show up at Ollie, they have another kind of, you know, simmering back burner passion that they really want to talk about. Um, so our curriculum committees, we find that people who are great teachers are just great teachers um, of anything because they're lifelong learners. So we let them teach what they want to teach. And then um, we're always getting, you know, I'm getting emails and phone calls. Um, last fall, um, someone asked about a course on the U.S. Constitution. So. Yeah, it sounds like a, some very interesting stuff. We've got Chris McLeod here in the studio. She is the director of Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. I want to remind you that uh, if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to Transitions Life Care. Org. That's also where you may be able to see that Transitions Life Care is celebrating their 40th anniversary. Uh, high, high uh, honors to them. That's a big accomplishment here in the area. Well, Nicole, we've got Chris McLeod here in the studio. She is the director of Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. And Chris, uh, is this something that is uh, just solely offered by Duke or is this offered at other places as well? Um, thanks for asking, Jason. Um, actually, um, the Duke Osher Lifelong Learning Institute is part of a national network of 122 institutes um, that were endowed by Bernard Osher, a, a well-noted um, philanthropist based out of California. There are over 400 
um, learning in retirement um, chapters. So um, if readers are interested or have loved ones, you know, in other parts of the country, you can always, ref- you know, if you Google lifelong um, li- learning in retirement um, in your state or community, often um, a program will come up. But the um, Osher Lifelong Learning Institutes um, are usually distinguished by their more um, um, targeted um, offerings to seniors, and they tend to be a little more academically robust. So I'd like to talk <clears throat> a little bit about respite. And, you know, respite is a term that is sort of a random term if, you're, if you've never been in a situation. But what basically respite is is giving yourself a break. And a lot of the people listening today have either been caregiving for a really long time, are embarking on caregiving, or know someone who is in a caregiving journey. And, you know, oftentimes when we start out as a family caregiver, and I've done this twice, and I, I, I really should have learned my lesson, so maybe by the time I do it three times, I will. Um, you start off with a tremendous amount of energy. You, know, you have your superhero cape on. You're running, running, running. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. And then all of a sudden, you get to the point in that journey where you smack and hit a wall. And it's usually in the beginning of an individual's journey, whether it's you know somebody suddenly has a cancer diagnosis or an Alzheimer's or diagnosis, that's when people really rally around you. Your faith groups rally around you. Your friends rally around you. What can I do to help? And you have a freezer full of casseroles and, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Um, and usually as, as human nature, we can do it ourselves. We can handle it ourselves. We basically tell people, I've got this. I'm fine. And once you keep telling people no for a long time, it's just human nature. People stop asking. And then when suddenly you need that help, there people aren't around you. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel resentful. And you start and these are all normal feelings. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel completely alone and you have no one to talk to and you're not sure how you're gonna make it to the next day. I really believe things like this learning institute, things that you can really get involved in, even in the beginning, even when you don't feel like you need it, are going to be immensely valuable to you for respite in the future, for those mental health breaks that you're really going to need, and to really build and accept the help from loved ones and from friends and from your faith-based community to do something for yourself, even when you're not sure you really need it in the beginning, because eventually you will. That's an excellent point, Nicole. I actually talked to a woman this fall who... um, um, called me up. She had been waitlisted um, for one of our poetry classes, and um, her husband had been in a, you know, um, had had a stroke and and was suffering, and and she had been a caregiver. And she said, you know, her voice was quavering, and she said, you know, this poetry class is my lifeline. It is the only time I'm out of the house the whole week, and it really touched me because I had, you know, I've had an experience of being a caregiver for my mom only for a few short months, but. You know, at the time, my dad and I had a deal that each of us got to the, you know, the why every other day. Mm-hmm. And um, and it just was so critical for our survival. It was the only time where we could just take a deep breath. You know, I'm a swimmer, you know, um, and or go out in the woods and walk. And I think it's so critical to do that. One of the nice things about our program is there are other people who've either been through that experience of caregiving and maybe just coming out of it Um or who at least understand what you're going through. Or it's a place you can show up and pretend it's not happening and just talk about, you know, poetry and history or do hands-on art. So sort of a, a one-off question for you. We were talking about this prior to the show starting. It really does seem, though, that when people are going through this, it's sort of a shh, we don't talk about it topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so you really do feel like you're the only one facing these issues. What do yeah. you think that is? Well, it's interesting because I, um, come, having coming off a caregiving experience, I was all excited um, 
to look at what our program was offering for people, you know, at this stage. And what I found was almost this thin veil of denial among our members that this will ever happen. Um, We have instructors and members, but particularly instructors I'm more aware of, because a week or two before the term starting, they have to cancel, either because of their own health um, or the, you know, the declining health of a spouse. And I've, you know, heard, been on the phone, you know, several times with members who are literally in tears because they are so sad to not be teaching. And yet, um, when... You know, I look at the curriculum committee, everyone's sourcing, you know, academic, hands-on art, performing arts, opera, you know, things that don't really relate to what might be coming. And so I feel a greater responsibility, you know, not right away, but to explore the possibility of offering, you know, grief groups, um, you know, or a healing circle of sorts. Journaling or something. Or something. Journaling. Yeah. There is, yeah. there are, there's a, a program um, several courses offered in conscious aging where there is a lot of journaling and, and introspection. But, you know, that is something that I think will be forthcoming in our program in the next couple of years. So the other side of the thing uh, I'd like to touch on is, you know, okay, so we have while we're doing the caregiving, mm-hmm. but then when caregiving ends, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I remember after caregiving for my grandfather for, it was eight very intense months in my home with mm-hmm. a two-year-old and at the time a two-week-old who obviously was not two weeks after eight months. But um, And looking in the mirror and not recognizing the person I saw, and while I was still super busy with a toddler and a newborn and, and everything else going on in my life, I had this huge void of time that I couldn't even remember what I did with prior to this time of caregiving. Mm-hmm. I feel like something like this could be really part of that healing process, too, and rebuilding. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, we see that. we People, as I mentioned earlier, move to Durham, um, you know, Chapel Hill, just to join our program. And some may be coming, you know, off of retirement, but many are coming back after caregiving. And whether that's, you know, two months, two years, five years or longer, um, what's nice is, you know, there's an entire community here of people who are interested in making friends. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get older, it's often yeah. difficult to make friends. It's difficult to make friends at my age. <laughs> it, it is. And yet what you'll find um, in the Osher communities is that's not true. People are curious. They're interested in learning, you know, what you've been up to. Um, and there's a lot of, I think, you know, ways to connect with people around common interests, whether they're intellectual, whether they're, you know, arts related. We also have a member relations committee that plans a lot of outings um, to the North Carolina Museum of Art, to the Botanical Gardens, um, to the um, Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro. So, you know, there are plenty of um, things going on that help people ease back in. Um, and so I think that it's a great opportunity. I bet you've had a few weddings here and there out of this, too. Um, I, I understand <laughs> that's the case. <laughs> I would not be surprised at all. So um, for those that are listening that may be caregiving for a loved one who's out of state, is, is this is also sort of a national network as well, correct? It is. Um, again, we're one of 122 OSHA Lifelong Learning Institutes. There are four in North Carolina. Um, there's one at NC State, UNC Wilmington, UNC Asheville, and then here at Duke. Um, what you'll find is every Osher Institute has kind of a different culture and personality, but they're all about lifelong learning and providing programming and opportunities for mature adults to connect and learn. Well, I'm sure that those are list- that were listening today want to find out more and how they can register and, and get more information. How would they go about doing that? Um, well, for Duke, it would be um, www.learnmore.com. 
www.duke.edu. Um, and then you'll click on the OSHA Lifelong Learning Institute tab, and there's tons of information. They're also welcome um, to, you know, call our office um, at 919-684-6259. That is our registration number, and they can kind of walk you through the process of signing up for a course. Excellent. That website, again, is learnmore.duke.edu, www.learnmore.duke.edu. That phone number that Chris gave out, 919-684-6259. Again, Chris McLeod, director of the Osher Lifelong Institute at Duke University. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and coming in to speak with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. And Nicole, we, we do this every so often. We bring in uh, some members of the family from Transitions Life Care, and uh, we've got Peter McCann here in the studio. He is now the Chief Strategy Officer and Vice President of Marketing for Transitions Life Care. And Peter, are you are you the newest member of the Transitions Life Care family? Yes. You Today are. Today I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we usually celebrate this by throwing you right on the air and on 50,000 watts here on WPTF. Yeah. <laughs> and, no and, pressure. And we grill you. That's what we do. No, I, I'm just kidding. Nicole, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have Peter here on, on Aging Matters with us because we, we know we're very excited to have him as a part of the Transitions Life Care team. Definitely so. You know, I've had the pl- privilege of getting to know Peter a little bit over the last couple of months, and I've definitely been impressed with his uh, way of approaching all the staff there and just, you know, his ability to listen and to hear um, what everybody thinks about the organization and the community. So welcome to town. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. So I guess we'll just kind of start right off with, um, you know, what really interests you about Transitions Life Care? What brought you here? Um, So first of all, very happy to be here. I've been here uh, about two months, uh, still learning my ropes, but I felt that Um, This was a perfect fit for me for a number of different reasons. Number one, um, have been a caregiver myself uh, for my parents. My mother and father was very close to them, and uh, they lived nearby and was able to uh, spend a lot of time in their final years of life helping them uh, transition through the stages um, at the end of their lives. Um, But also, um, I feel like I have been preach to on the value of uh, hospice and palliative care. I have a nurse, uh, or I'm sorry, I have a sister who is a Ph.D. nurse. Nurse living, first. Yes. <laughs> uh, who lives out in California, uh, trained at UCLA, but has spent uh, 30 years uh, providing hospice uh, palliative care services uh, two people in Southern California at one point headed up hospice palliative care for Cedar sinai Hospital. So uh, literally for 30 years I've been hearing about the value of those services. So hospice so, by osmosis. That, ex- exactly. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> I will not try to do that. <laughs> right. 
Well, awesome. Well, definitely welcome you to the community as well. And so you are very and, and uniquely familiar then on the personal side of hospice care. And one of the most common questions I get is, you know, when do I know it's the right time? And oftentimes I think people really think that hospice is for the last minutes, hours, days, and maybe a couple of weeks of life. But the reality of it is, is, is hospice is really an umbrella that circles around that family and cloaks that family and comfort and that individual and can really go on for six months or sometimes even more. That's absolutely true, Nicole. And um, so hospice by its very nature is for people that um, are nearing the end of their lives, uh, typically the last six months. Unfortunately, um, most people don't take advantage of hospice until the final couple of weeks of their lives. Um, And um, what we hear very frequently is uh, one of their biggest regrets and one of the family's biggest regrets is that they did not avail themselves of uh, hospice and palliative services sooner. Definitely. And and that is, unfortunately, something you can't do over again and and something that families often preach to other family members. And, you know, one of the biggest issues that we have is that oftentimes people feel like going on hospice is giving up. And it's not. It's really kind of looking at that individual's life trajectory and saying, instead of constantly putting them through a lot of things that aren't going to even sustain their life longer, let's focus on providing them some more quality of care, pain management, and really giving them that opportunity to live out their last days the best that they can. That's true. And there's actually been some studies, um, um, particularly around heart failure, that um, patients with heart failure uh, actually have lived longer uh, on hospice than um, not hospice. Um, But also, I think it's worth noting on palliative care that um, this is a service for people with serious illness. Um, It's not hospice, um, but we surround you with uh, an interdisciplinary team that supports you, um, and you can continue to seek curative treatments uh, through um, the palliative care and continue with uh, having palliative care. Um, but it helps you uh, navigate the challenges associated with chronic illness. Definitely. And, you know, another thing that people often believe, again, is that hospice is just for cancer patients. And as you just mentioned, people with heart failure, there are a whole host of -of end-of-life type illnesses that hospice is completely appropriate for. Uh, Absolutely. And um, transitions um, is has the benefit of being the largest provider of uh, hospice and palliative care services um, in this area. And we see all sorts of individuals with all sorts of uh, chronic conditions. Um, So, um, and we tailor our services around their specific needs. So a lot of the things that we cover on this show have to do with um, long-term care. And unfortunately, most of long-term care is something that people have to pay for completely out of their pocket. And it comes to a great surprise to most individuals that, you know, living in your assisted living community or getting your private duty in-home care is not covered by Medicare. But this is one of the benefits that actually is, correct? Yes. Hospice is uh, completely covered by Medicare. Um, It's probably worth noting that... um, 
you do have to uh, decide that you are going to stop curative treatments typically um, in order to qualify for Medicare hospice services. And so uh, folks can actually have this benefit on top of other types of services that they may be paying for privately as well, just to yeah, kind of right. wrap it around them in right. the home, which is right. which is absolutely wonderful for sure. Um, so another thing, you know, I think, you know, when people think about um, Transitions Life Care, uh, there was a lot of media attention about the Transitions Life Care hospice home. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of times people think and make the assumption that at end of life, they need to get placed in the hospice home. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is that's not really what a hospice home is intended for, correct? No, we have a, actually a beautiful, beautiful facility, a hospice home, a 30-bed uh, facility that uh, is designed to care for people uh, on hospice but have conditions that can't be managed uh, where they currently are located, whether it's at their home or a uh, skilled nursing facility, assisted living. Um, and it's meant to be uh, typically a short-term uh, stay until they get stabilized and can return to their um, previous location. Um, previous home. Um, But I also think it's worth noting that um, most individuals, when you ask them where would they like to die, they say, I would like to die in my home. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, only about 20% of Americans today uh, die at home. Um, They're frequently uh, rushed to the hospital and um, all sorts of Tests and procedures are performed on them in their final days of, of life. And so that also underscores the importance uh, of telling your loved ones what you want ahead of time uh, and um, putting down on paper uh, what your wishes are. Yeah, that's a very important point. We've got Peter McCann here in the studio. He is the Vice President of Marketing, also the Chief Strategy Officer at Transitions Life Care, and we will continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Special guest in the studio right now is Peter McCann. He is the Chief Strategy Officer and Vice President of Marketing for Transitions Life Care, newest member of the Transitions Life Care team. And Nicole, uh, we were just talking during the break. I know we went over some of the uh, uh, many lines that Transitions Life Care has in their uh, terms of services, uh, but we, we only touched on a few. There's a pile more that Transitions Life Care provides to the I, community. I know, I know. And, you know, next week we're having our big 40th anniversary show to celebrate 40 years that Transitions Life Care, formerly known as Hospice of Wake County, was serving our commu- has been serving our community. And I've been in the area since 2008. And I have always been just immensely impressed with the quality of care, um, just the way they go about doing things, and was super thrilled 
held about uh, five years ago when they approached Transitions Guiding Lights to build a more formal relationship between the two entities and um, just really have been very happy with being part of such an organization of excellence. Really couldn't ask for a better partner in the community for sure. So, um, you know, a lot of people think about Transitions Life Care as hospice first, and Transitions Life Care was, in fact, hospice first as Hospice of Wake County. But there are a whole host of other service lines that they do provide in our community. And Peter did touch on the hospice line and the palliative care line. But there's also a home health component. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, we've been actually providing home health services for some time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we serve all seven counties where we have a team of clinicians, nurses, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therap- therapists, and, and other clinicians that uh, go out directly to the individuals wherever they may be, whether they are in their home or in a facility, and um, uh, provide various types of uh, clinical services to help them um, recover uh, from whatever ailment they have. Um, And just recently, I had the opportunity to shadow a couple of nurses going out into individual homes. Um, And it was actually a very wonderful experience to see uh, people be greeted by these individuals who are actually looking forward mm-hmm. uh, with smiles on their faces uh, to see our staff come in and help them with things uh, that they could not do for themselves. Yeah, you know, rebuilding your life so that you can remain independent as long as possible, that is just a huge human being driver. You know, mm-hmm. by, by nature, we all want to remain independent, and being able to be part of restoring an individual's right. lost abilities right. is is definitely something um, that is beautiful in my eyes. Um, and that is also home health is something that is typically covered by either private insurances or Medicare, correct? That's correct, yes. So I also know um, Transitions Life Care has an immensely large grief program, and it is something that it has no charge for in the community. Yes, Yes, that actually was one of the things I was particularly impressed with um, when I was interviewing with Transitions, the the, uh, fact that they did have this grief counseling service uh, that's actually rather robust, um, and they have a team of counselors that uh, engage people on a daily basis uh, and help them navigate through the the grief process. And as you noted, uh, we do not charge anything for this service. You do not have to have used uh, transitions, uh, hospice, or palliative care. Um, we are here to serve our community and help people get through a very difficult time in their lives. And, you know, I really want to underscore what Peter said uh, because, you know, you may have lost a loved one in another state, but right. you're going through the grieving process here in our right. local community. And, and again, you can self-refer yourself to Transitions Life Care and their grief counselors will meet with you at no charge and really help you through that process, which I think is, is phenomenal. And then on top of that, they have an amazing grief program for children. And right. you know the way children grieve is very different than the way um, adults grieve. And so they have specialized counselors that actually know specifically how to work with the children 
children. They have a bereavement camp, which is amazing. They have a puppet show that they bring into area schools um, to really teach children about, you know, the difference, what happens when somebody passes away and really try to open up that conversation for children. And they work with the school counselors in our area. And um, I mean, I personally know a number of people who year after year after year bring their children to those bereavement camps to really yeah. help them through that process because as the child ages, they process things differently regarding a parent or a loved one's death and they have more questions and they just need more support. Absolutely. Yep. And then on top of that, um, Transitions Life Care, because of a huge need in the community, created a Transitions Kids program. Yes. Um, and um, we are the only organization that provides this type of service, but it is essentially hospice palliative care services uh, for children uh, facing serious illness, life-threatening illness. Um, And uh, we have a team, uh, again, of clinicians, doctors, nurses, therapists um, who work closely with the individuals um, who are going through this, the young children, um, and uh, also their families, and great resource. Yes, several years ago there were a series of um, very sad, sad, sad news uh, pieces out there uh, in the main- mainstream media about children in our area you know, passing away in hospitals and not at home where their family wanted to surround them because there wasn't a program like this in our community. So Transitions Life Care stepped up and did that. And, and as to Peter's point, um, the community has been so super imp- uh, supportive as well as corporations in providing funding for that program so that, um, you know, hundreds of children are served in our, our area. We don't like to think about children becoming terminally ill, but um, unfortunately that does happen from time to time. And hopefully, luckily it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, Transitions Life Care is there to help, which is which is great. Um, and then kind of one of the other new kids on the block is is the charity that I represent, Transitions Guiding Lights. And so uh, we do provide uh, free information, referral, education, and support to that family caregiver in the community. Um, again, all those services are free of charge to our to our families that reach out to us. And we do provide referrals to organizations um, that individuals need connections to um, through a vetted vendor program, which basically means we put organizations through a process to make sure that they are organizations of excellence. And so when you call Transitions Guiding Lights, uh, we take a very um, robust intake of your situation so we can directly match you with an organization that will meet the needs and meet you where you're at in that caregiving journey. And that's something that we've been providing almost for 10 years now in the community, serving about 3,500 people a year. So we are super excited about uh, continuing our work. And through our partnership with Transitions Life Care, we are able to do that as well. Um, and then, of course, we have our caregiver summits, which, you know, no week for somehow can never go by without us talking about those. <laughs> but there are there are ways off yet. But actually, you say that now. I know. Well, I'm, I believe me, this is where I'm really busy. I'm deep in the throes of sure. planning these right now. Um, but we do have all of the dates for 2019 up on the Caregivers Summit website, caregiversummit.org. And we do get emails 
all the, the next time? one, Nicole? When's yeah, the next one? Yeah, because people want to get them on their calendars that people really look forward to, them, which is awesome. So we are in the midst of pulling together our content and getting our sponsors and our exhibitors together. All of our venues have been secured. So we are super excited about our 11th year of Caregivers Summits. Yes, as you should be, because you all do such a wonderful job. They get better and better every year, and that's uh, in no small part thanks to you, Nicole. You do a masterful job with that. Peter McCann has been our guest here in the studio. He is the Chief Strategy Officer, Vice President of Marketing as well for Transitions Life Care. Peter, we know you're, you're new to the area and uh, new to your position. Thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us this evening. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Nicole. It's glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you want to find more about the many services that we just discussed, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org. Uh, you can find plenty of information there about everything that we discussed, uh, a wonderful resource. And Transitions Life Care, as Nicole said earlier, celebrating their 40th anniversary. They'll have that 40th anniversary show. We're very much looking forward to that. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. We do this every Saturday evening at 7. We hope you'll join us again next week. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.